Good afternoon, Acadiana. Happy Friday. This is Joe Cunningham here on News Talk 965 KPL. Glad to be with y'all today on this glorious Friday. Next glorious Friday, y'all stay off the roads because Kamala Harris is coming to town. And that means uh, security detail and that means clogged up roads. So uh, that is the news that broke earlier today. There are very few details on why or where she will be. All we know is that multiple media outlets are saying that she will be in Lafayette next Friday. So hip, hip, hooray. Um, Thank goodness. For most of you, your kids will be out of schools next Friday, so you don't have to worry about any school traffic or anything like that. It's just going to be one of those chaotic things where when a president or vice president comes to town, security detail tends to lock down roads. Uh, no idea where she'll be or, or how much of that is actually going to be in play, but just uh, it is my recommendation based on having experienced some of that before, stay off the roads next Friday. Today, the spinning has begun. Apparently, the talking points went out. Uh, I've seen a few tweets and a few quotes now where a lot of lefties are out there saying that the reason that the polling is so bad and the reason that Democrats are going to do so poorly in November is because the moderates have prevented Joe Biden's agenda. And that had all the stuff that had passed, uh, that, that the Biden administration wanted to pass, pass, it would be an entirely different story. That is what is being predicted right now by some folks on the left. It is incredible that the, that the left is looking at their policies, looking at the rhetoric that's out there and seeing the people's response to it and thinking, you know what, it's got to be Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema's fault. This from Axios. The hard left politics of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the so-called squad, once a dominant theme for vast numbers of uh, of elected Democrats, is backfiring big time on the party in power, top Democrats tell us. The push to defund the police, rename schools, and tear down statues has created significant obstacles to Democrats keeping control of the House, the Senate, and the party's overall image. It's what we've been screaming about for a year, said Matt Bennett, co-founder of the center-left Third Way, which launched which launched Shield Pack to defend moderate Democrats. So the left and the moderates, and when we say moderates, we mean they're also of the left, just not as far left or more strategically left, I guess you could say, because they're all pretty progressive. Moderate Democrats is kind of a misnomer. Uh, Moderate Democrats have decided that Modern Democrats have decided that going too far left too quickly is going to cost them elections. And there's actually, you know, there's actually some evidence to support it, like the entire Obama administration and how badly that went for elected Democrats who were nearly wiped out by the end of Obama's second term. And then Republicans make huge gains. And even with Donald Trump being as unpopular as he was, the Democrats barely managed to gain majorities in the House and Senate. That tells you a lot. I want to read something from 2018. Tuesday, June 26, 2018, should go down as a great day for Donald Trump. He had a big win in the Supreme Court on his travel ban, and several moderate Democrats were defeated by more extreme left-wing candidates. 
Among them is avowed socialist Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, a 28-year-old Latina woman who defeated Joe Crowley, dealing a major blow to Democratic leadership in the House. Crowley was considered by many the likely Democrat next uh, speaker. It's a pretty big deal for Democrats as they search for a way to defeat the Republican Party in 2018 and Donald Trump in 2020. This push further left can have disastrous effects for the Democrats, however, and the one who will ultimately reap the rewards is Trump. The risk is that candidates chosen in Democratic primaries will advocate views that are too far left for the voters who will show up in the November election. Originally, the Democrats were looking at a blue wave, a chance to wipe out a lot of Republican gains from the last 10 years. That wave, however, could turn out to be more of a ripple. That was before the 2018 midterm elections, also before COVID-19 kind of changed the electoral landscape for 2020. But everything written in that column has basically proven to be true. By the way, I wrote that column for CNN in 2018. So I've been shouting about the left going too far left for years now, and I have a track record to prove it, even on CNN's opinion page. Kind of a humble brag, I'm sorry, but I needed to reinforce the point that for years you could tell that the voters were going to be pushing back against this rhetoric from the Democrats. And guess what? They're now poised for massive losses in this year's midterm election. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation, I see the the calls lighting up now, so we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we will have we will discuss this with our callers and all the other subjects of the day here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 965 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL. If you want to join in the conversation, 232-1542, we've got a caller on the line. I think we've got Janice. Janice, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. How are you today? I am very good, and I'm enjoying your show, but I have this theory. Why Kamala, or Kamala, or whatever her name is, she's coming next Friday, so Mm -hmm. she could be in the Saturday Youngsville Parade. Really? Interesting theory. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't she she fit perfectly on one of the floats? She could smile and grin all she wants, and it'll look normal. (laughs) As long as she's nowhere near a mic and she doesn't scare off the children with that cackle that she does whenever she's nervous. Lord, well, that... maybe they have a chicken coop all around that, that particular float, and she can cackle with the chickens. Oh, my goodness. Janice, that is a wonderful theory, and I hope it plays out just for, just for the, wonderful, uh, the, the wonderful media that comes out from that. Oh, yeah. All I can say is... Bark, 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 bark. <laughs> Janice, thank you very much for the call, and have a good afternoon and good weekend. Listen to you. I like your show. You're good. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay. 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. To have Kamala, would would the people of Youngsville want Kamala Harris in their parade, though? I'm not sure that that's actually something that would happen. Uh, So... Going back to the Democrats and and the and this spin and everything, I I I feel like it's important that you guys kind of know how these talking points get around because it's not just one person or a couple people. There's a slow movement to get this talking point out there, and and this really starts on social media, but it's not as organic as you think. In the political world, and I know this because I've been part of this as well, just not as on a not as big a scale as you see elsewhere. 
activists and journalists, sometimes the same thing, uh, they are all on the same email list. They all have like causes, and so they all in their little bubbles get invited to this email list, and they're emailing things back and forth. And these email lists, somebody comes up with a talking point, and everybody's like, ooh, this is good. We need to start doing that. Or, ooh, that's a great point. We need to start getting this out there. And so you start seeing it trickle out from people in the same circles constantly. This, the, the Democrats are going to lose because of Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. This is a workshopped talking point. And it's going to get pushed around. You're going to see it hit the networks and hit the commentators on the networks. Again, sometimes you might not be able to tell which are the commentators and which are the anchors. But still, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see this talking point start playing out for the next few months as they, they've workshopped it. They're going to test it out. Now, the polling doesn't bear any of it out. The polling is very clear. It's not Joe Biden's inability to pass legislation to get it through the House and Senate that is scaring, that is scaring people away from the Democratic Party. What's scaring the voters away from the Democratic Party is what Joe Biden has done. Joe Biden has done a terrible job on withdrawing folks from Afghanistan. Joe Biden has done a terrible job on getting his message out about vaccines. He's done a terrible job of fighting the COVID crisis. He's done a terrible job of helping America through this economic downturn. And it's only going to get worse. One way you fight inflation is by raising interest rates, which the Fed is still kind of hesitant to do. Do you know why? Because when you raise interest rates, you cause a recession. So we're going to go from inflation to recession before any of this gets better, and they're trying to stave that off as much as possible. But what you have right now are far-left activists who are all in their little email lists and bubbles and, and each other's DMs on Twitter and Facebook, and they're saying this and that to each other, and they're workshopping these ideas, and they're going to start throwing these out there more and more. Then you're, eventually you're going to see somebody like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Ilhan Omar or Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, some, one of these major Democratic figures, start throwing this out there. And then it's going to be accepted as the common, uh, as the, uh, what's the, the conventional wisdom among the Democrats will be, well, it's the moderates who have stopped Joe Biden from implementing his agenda. And had they just allowed that agenda to go through, everybody would be happy. Please tell me how federalizing elections would have voters change their minds about the Democrats right now. It wouldn't. Because everybody is concerned with kitchen economics right now. Everybody's sitting down at the kitchen table looking at how much the groceries cost, looking at how much it costs to eat out, looking at how much it costs to get gas, looking at how much it costs to buy the new family vehicle that they need desperately, how much it costs to buy a bigger house, how much it costs to replace that piece of broken furniture, how much it costs to go out and buy some IKEA furniture that you have to assemble yourself, how much does it cost to get something shipped from Amazon to you, how much, do, how much does it cost to go out and buy the food that you need to take care of your family? They're all looking at this. Not a soul cares about the Democrats' voter rights bill, which is really just a federal takeover of elections that is contrary to what the Constitution intended. Nobody really cares about the government giving them more money when that money is not going to cover the grocery bills. Sure, you could receive another $250 to $300 per kid per month, but that's going to cover maybe two weeks of groceries, depending on how many kids you have. 
So you're still in the hole at the end of the month because inflation continues to go up. Why is it going up? Because we started handing out a bunch of that money already. The Democrats are in the position they're in, not because of moderates like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. Those were the only two who actually gave a rat's behind about the Democratic Party's electoral politi- electoral uh, chances and are trying to salvage as much as possible. But they can't get it through the progressive left's head that, hey, you need to move the football down the field. You're seeing the numbers in, of and thinking we have a majority and we can get all this done right now. And that's not the case because you're going to screw us out of that majority come November 2022. And you look at the polling and you realize that in some cases you see R plus 14. Do you know how rare an R plus 14 public poll is? It's about as rare as having spotted Dick Cheney during the Bush years, the later Bush years. You, you never saw Dick Cheney at all, did you? Because he was, you know, constantly having heart surgery and, and stuff like that. But you never saw him in public, did you? You know how rare an R plus 15 poll is? How many times do you see Kamala Harris besides when she comes to be in the Youngsville Parade? Thank you, Janice. You don't see Kamala Harris very much, do you? It's about how often you see an R plus 14 poll. It's how many times we've actually spotted Kamala Harris doing something in this administration. It doesn't happen, but it's going to happen now. It's happening in the polling right now. It's being hinted at in the polling. That's why Democrats are freaking out. That's why the moderates are attacking the far left in uh, in outlets like Axios. And it's why the far left is attacking the moderates on social media. Because the R plus 14 polls exist. They exist in the Democrats' internal polling somewhere. And they're freaking out about it. 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. When we come back, did you know that Amazon is freezing the Black Lives Matter organization out of its charitable sites because Black Lives Matter, the organization, not the movement, the organization is not being transparent as to where the money is going. That is a big issue because that lack of transparency is being used to hide what's really happening with those organizations, and it's not activism. All that and more here on News Talk 965 KPL and the Joe Cunningham Show when we come back after this bottom of the hour news break. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL 232-1542. If you want to join in the conversation, you can also follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham. Find me on Facebook.com uh, slash Joe Cunningham Show. And if you've missed any part of the show, you can always find us in podcast form on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. They are available. So Amazon Smiles is a charity-based platform that you, uh, instead of just going to Amazon.com, it's, it, it, it feeds into the URL, and there's a special URL that goes with it. And whatever charity you've chosen, a, a, a percentage of your sales goes to a charitable organization of your choice. Black Lives Matter had an Amazon Smiles account. So whenever you would buy something through that Amazon URL, a portion of the money would go there. According to the New York Post, the organization, Black Lives Matter, failed to comply with the requirements of several states, and as such, Amazon was forced to suspend them. Now, real quick, I need to take an aside and explain that I'm going to say the organization whenever I'm talking about Black Lives Matter because... 
Black Lives Matter as a movement is one typically I actually agree with. But Black Lives Matter, the organization, is actually a Marxist organization. They said so in their website and their documents and everything before they scrubbed that because it was discovered. The organization is one that has routinely pushed for near anarchy in order to tear down the current system and build something new. Black Lives Matter, the movement, actually had a really good point. The idea that Black Lives Matter was so important rather than the all lives matter, you know, people say, why isn't it all lives matter? It's because all lives do matter. But there's a historical record to show that black lives haven't mattered as much. And so it was raising awareness to the idea that, yes, they need to matter as much as white lives and other lives. So typically, the movement was an idea that is easier to get behind. Black Lives Matter, the organization, in this case, Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation is the full name of it, was not compliant with several states' disclosure laws. Amazon suspended them from the Amazon Smiles program. States have rules for nonprofits and organizations participating in Amazon Smile and need to meet those rules, said an Amazon spokesperson. Unfortunately, this organization fell out of compliance with the rules in several states, so we've had to temporarily suspend them from the program until they come into compliance. The Post reported that Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation received more than $65 million in donations from an organization called Thousand Currents, which manages assets from grassroots nonprofit organizations. The issue is that the foundation failed to report where any of that money went. I'm not sure if you recall, but there was a story that went viral there briefly where the, the head of one of the Black Lives Matter organizations bought like a, a, a multi-million dollar home or something like that. And Twitter, as it does in these uh, cases, would suspend anybody that talked about that story because it was a disclosure of private information. Again, never mind the people who are getting doxxed out there because they donated to the trucker convoy, the, the trucker protests in Canada. If you mentioned this woman or her house, you were disclosing her private location or private information. That's just a no-no. On February 11th, the foundation released its long overdue federal tax filing, but also changed its accounting period from a calendar year to a fiscal year. The filing shows no contributions or grants during the January to June reporting period, and the group likely has another year to file its return for the remainder of 2020. The, the, the organization, my, my colleague at Red State, Jeff Charles, uh, reported that the, the foundation appears to be a collection of red flags and unethical practices. The other two executive members, uh, two, two members are refusing to say who controls its $60 million bankrolls. Um, those involved seem to be distancing themselves from it, actually. This from Charles. Uh, the two executive members have not bothered to comment on the matter. The two remaining BLM board members uh, did not return numerous requests for comment asking who has been in charge of BLM and its money since the colors left the charity in May. This was according to the Washington Examiner. So multiple sources are actually basically pointing out that, hey, this whole organization is shady. It is one of the most powerful political movements of the modern era. Whether or not you agree with the movement itself, it is a very powerful movement that has had a major impact. Over the summer of 2020, yes, people who use that movement as cover, Antifa and anarchists, use that movement to try to burn down American cities and the system with it. 
it didn't work. It actually probably helped the Republicans and probably mitigated a lot of the damage that was coming in the 2020 election. Between the left going too far left and the left burning down American cities, the pandemic, the economy taking a a sudden downturn and a lot of people's distaste in Donald Trump, it looks like the left may have saved Republicans in several cases and helped the Republicans keep a pretty decent amount of power despite being in the minority in the House and the Senate. It won't be for long. You're likely going to see investigations of this organization. Not now because the Democrats are in charge, but when Republicans are in charge, there will be organizations of it. There may also be, under the radar, some Department of Justice investigations already. If there's one thing the left doesn't like, it's people co-opting their causes. And if a cause has been co-opted, they're going to investigate it. They may also try to blame it on the right wing, but they're going to want to see it investigated. The Biden administration right now is too scared of alienating any group to launch an investigation into something like this. That's going to be a very, very interesting play out. If there's an investigation into this organization, it's like the Me Too movement. The people who are leading the the political organizations behind the Me Too movement had to step aside because they actually supported problematic people. It's crazy how that works. But you have to step away from an organization that's supposedly in favor of something because that or the people in that organization are actually uh, supporting folks who are antithetical to what that organization represents. And we've already seen executives step away from this Black Lives Matter Foundation. You will see more step away in the future because of how it's being run. It got deplatformed from Amazon Smiles. That's a sign that something shady is going on. And you can bet that there is more going on than just failure to disclose where the funding is going right now. Somebody's getting rich off of this, and it's going to come out. And you can bet that those people will be cast under, cast aside, thrown under the bus by the left. And that organization may continue to exist in some form because the problematic people will have been thrown aside. But it will continue to be Marxists and people who hate the American system that will continue to run it and continue to co-opt it to enrich themselves. And nothing will really change. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation when we come back, could you see critical race theory coming to Louisiana? We'll talk about that and more here in the bottom here in the last segment of the show on the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. Around the country, Republican lawmakers are introducing bills to ban critical race theory from schools. A few weeks back, I mentioned that there was one such bill being filed here in Louisiana. The problem is that bill didn't mention race at all. A lot of the bills being put forward by Republican lawmakers also explicitly talk about history and very little else. When you talk to some folks, not all of them, but when you talk to some of them, it's clear that they see that they are so 
they're so worried after years of the left overusing things like Jim Crow, slavery in, ter- in modern political terms, that they see any sort of discussion of it in schools as somebody trying to backdoor critical race theory in. I've said it before on the show, but I think it bears repeating from time to time. The fight against critical race theory is not a fight over history curriculum. Critical race theory is not a curriculum. It's a teaching philosophy. We have plenty of stories that are out there about um, about teaching philosophy in the classroom. You have teachers who have tried to divide their students, no matter the subject, on the basis of their race. Simply teaching the problematic things in U.S. history is not critical race theory. Talking about how unfair the system was is not critical race theory. It was unfair. It was unjust. America is not a racist country systemically. But when it was first established, the system did wildly endorse it. That system is gone. Remnants of it remain, and they do need to be addressed from time to time. Remnants like what we're seeing with the Ronald Green case here in Louisiana. But there's something deeper going on. The left and the right are both arguing over something in which very few people seem to actually have an understanding. Critical race theory is not about what history is taught in schools. And the left wants you to think that banning critical race theory is about banning what's being taught in history. And some Republicans seem to think that you have to alter what you're teaching in history so that you're not introducing critical race theory. Meanwhile, there are actual critical race theorists out there who say that gifted education is systemically racist and that mathematics is systemically racist and that Asian Americans benefit from white supremacy and that's why affirmative action has to rule against them as well as white Americans applying for college. That's what critical race theory looks like. Critical race theory asks an elementary school teacher to have students fill out a form showing them what their privileges are. Critical race theory is dividing students based on their skin color, gender, and everything, and teaching them how what they are makes them different and who has more power over the other. Talking about the Jim Crow era and the remnants of the Jim Crow era that you can still see in some pockets of the country is not critical race theory. It is something that we do have to address in our schools. I'm not sure that lawmakers in either party actually know what they're doing. What Wonder of wonders, lawmakers not knowing what they're doing. It's a unique take on politics, I know. But each one is having their own, their own partisan activists come in and say this or that about critical race theory. These things have to be understood. You cannot just say we're banning critical race theory and put that in a bill. It makes no sense. It makes no sense in education 
you're speaking gibberish. I could come and speak in nothing but JavaScript out loud, a computer language out loud to you guys, and it would be gibberish because it's not a spoken language. And saying we're going to ban critical race theory is also gibberish. What we need to do is recognize what is essential in education and what is not. The facts, the figures, the historical points, all of that is important in education. What's not important is how we divide kids into thinking that, well, I'm a member of an oppressed group or I'm a member of, a, of an oppressive group because their entire view of themselves is affected by that. And in a time when we're already seeing a bunch of mental health issues, you want to inflict more neuroses on students by making them hyper-aware of something that isn't quite right. Because you can be in one of the so-called CRT oppressive classes but have never oppressed anybody in your life and you've never uh, you've never benefited from that oppression or that you were in a, an oppressed class despite having never been oppressed but you start looking at things the, through the wrong lens and you cause more problems for kids that way you make them hyper aware of these things that aren't really affecting their lives the way that a lot of these folks want to make it It is a big problem right now, the mental health issue in our schools. And people want to inflict more neuroses on our kids. To ban critical race theory is not quite something you can do. But you can adjust how teachers are looking at teaching their kids the philosophies that they use in the classroom by getting out there and going through a certification process yourself. More conservatives joining the school system is a good thing. We could use more conservatives in the classroom, more that are passionate about teaching our kids. Thank you guys very much for tuning in today. It's going to be a great weekend. I'll see you guys back on Monday here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 965 KPL.